الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يوم لا تملك نفس لنفس شيئا والأمر يومئذ لله سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم One of the ways by which we judge the strength or the power of an individual is by totaling the number of possessions they have or by calculating their ownership of various things so someone who's powerful or someone that has some degree of strength in this world we would say that oh they must have a few million dollars they might have 10 cars they might own 15 different homes they might have they might own an island whatever it might be but one of the ways by which we gauge strength and power is by the possessions of an individual property investments corporations that they own whatever it might be and Possession or property in Arabic is called Mikiya. Now, no matter how much a person owns in this world, no matter how many possessions they have to their name, no matter how much property is in their name, no matter how many investments they may have, no matter how many corporations they may run, there's no one in this world that possesses a day. There's no one in this world that possesses a day. At best, if someone were to accomplish something major in their life, then after they pass away, not even in their own lifetime, but after they pass away, a particular day may be assigned to them to commemorate whatever good it is that they may have done. So you'll see, even in this society, there's various holidays and sometimes days are attributed to someone who done or contributed something beneficial to society or to humanity. But that individual doesn't even own that day. This is just an, an attribution that's made to that person for that day. And that attribution isn't even universal. It's limited to depending on whichever society, whichever country you live in, it'll vary. So there isn't one day in the entire calendar year that universally across the world is attributed to one particular individual, let alone it being owned by one individual. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in a chapter that we recite on a daily basis, He says, Maliki yawmiddin. Maliki yawmiddin. That he is the owner of the day of resurrection, of the day of retribution, of the day of judgment. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the owner, He's the master of that day. Showing how truly powerful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Now, we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is powerful. We know that He's mighty. We know that He's in charge of everything that happens in this world. And we most certainly know that He's the owner of the entire universe. We know that everything is His. The air that we breathe, the skies that we look up at, the stars in the sky, the moon, the sun, every single thing in this universe, whether it was quote-unquote created by man or whether it's considered to be natural production uh, of, of God, everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we know it. But why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifies in this chapter of the Qur'an that we recite every single day, why does He specify His ownership to one particular thing? He could have said, instead of Maliki Yawmiddin, instead of saying that He was the master of the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could have said He's the master or owner of the universe. Could have said He's the master and the owner of the skies and everything in the skies and in the heavens, all encompassing such that even the Day of Judgment would be included. But yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifies that He's the master of the Day of Judgment. Why? The first reason is because that is how much ownership that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have on that day. Now in this world, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you and I the ability to own a certain finite number of things. So for instance, the clothes that we wear on our body, to some degree we own it. We know it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we have the ability to do what we want with it. If we want to wear it, we can wear it. If we decide to donate it and give it to someone, we can do that. If we decide to sell it to someone, we can do that. We have ownership and possession over this. We, for instance, own our home. And although it's a finite, limited place, limited space, we have the ability to do what we want with that home. If we want to renovate it, we can renovate it. Nothing is binding on us that will prevent us from doing that. If we want to sell that home, we can sell the home. If we want to rent it out to someone else, we can rent it out. If we want to, uh, if we want to make, you know, uh, and add an extension to that home, then we can add an extension. It's under our control and under our property. You know, once we are, we have uh, different resources that we've been given. A water bottle, for instance. You know, the masjid distributes water bottles, but to some degree, it's it's ours now. Now that I have this in my possession, I can do whatever I would like with this water. I can drink this water if I would like. I can share it with someone else. I can pour it outside onto the grass and water the the plants. I can do whatever I would like with it because it's under my responsibility and it's in my ownership. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting in this verse that on that day, no one will own anything. Even that limited ownership that we've been given in this world, for whatever it is that we've been assigned, wealth, property, uh, vehicles, homes, clothing, shelter, whatever it might be, we may have a little bit of that in this world, but on that day we will possess absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing will be to our name. Everything on that day is entirely owned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing is our own. Now think about it, we will be raised on the day of judgment clothless, naked, without any clothing. Think about it. Even in today's time, the, you know, even homeless people that are begging for money, 
they at least have something to cover their body with because they have ownership of at least something. You know, even the poorest of poor, even if they have nothing to their name, they will at least have some piece of clothing, a cloth, something by which they can cover themselves. On that day, every human being will be raised even without clothing. That's the degree of ownership and mastery of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. Nothing will be to our name, everything will be His. So Allah Ta'ala is reminding us in this verse that look, on, in this world you might own something, you might have some degree of power, you might have some ownership over something, but on that day, remember that I am in charge, I am the one responsible for everything that occurs on that day, you have no power whatsoever. يَوْمَ لَا تَمْلِكُ نَفْسٌ لِنَفْسٍ شَيْئًا Allah Ta'ala says that on that day, no person will own anyone else. No one will have any rights over any other person. I am the one that's totally, fully in charge on that day. That's his day. It's not attributed to him, it's his day. He is the master of that day. The second reason why Allah Ta'ala says, although everything is his, the second reason that Allah Ta'ala in the opening chapter of the Quran that is recited by millions and millions of people multiple times a day this reason that he specifically addresses the day of resurrection as being his is because as an example if I were to take you into my house and if I owned a home and I were to tell you that this is my house and I specifically took you to the uh, bedroom of my home and there's a closet and I took you there and I said to you that this is my closet this is my closet now you'd be thinking why would I need to specify that this was my closet I've already brought you into my home the assumption that you would have is that everything that, in, that is inside my house is mine it's my property I own it including the bedroom including the bathroom including the kitchen including the cabinets including the carpet, including the closet, why would you specify that this is your closet? If the closet was empty, it would make no sense. But if inside that closet, there were bars of gold, or there was an autographed you know, jersey by someone very reputable, if there was something of significant value in that closet, and then you specified that, and then I specified that this is my closet, in addition to this home, this is my closet, then it would make sense. Because there's something of that much substance in there, you want to make it very clear that, look, I own this home, but even this value, even this is mine. Even the $500,000 of cash that I have stored in this closet, even this is mine. So Allah Ta'ala, despite owning the universe, despite being the Malik of the universe, despite having Mikiyah over every single thing in the world that he has ever existed and that will ever exist, and everything in the hereafter, including Jannah, including Jahannam, including everything, Allah Ta'ala is highlighting specifically that, on that, that, that of all things that He owns, Keep in mind that he also is responsible and is the owner and is the master of the Day of Judgment. He wants to highlight to all of us that that day is his. That day is his. So what will happen to human beings 
And we talked about in the last session the life in the grave. Ultimately, after that time passes, all of humanity will be raised again. And humanity will be raised, will be resurrected, and everyone will be in a state of panic. Everyone will be in a state of panic. Why? Because now reality hits them. What they thought was always true, they find out now is just false vanity. And what they had heard was possibly the truth is now reality that's facing them. They had heard that there would potentially be a day in which they would have to meet their creator, the one who sustained them, the one who provided for them, the one who revealed an entire Qur'an for them to follow, the one who sent a messenger for them. They had heard about these things. They had heard about a day in which they'll have to meet that creator. And now it has become a reality. Everyone will be in a state of panic. Everyone will be in a state of panic. You know, in this world, people that suffer from, um, uh, from, from panic disorder, they are debilitated. They are unable to function. And that day, we'll all have it. None of us will be spared. We will all be in that state of disarray. We're running from right to left, looking for any sort of assistance, any sort of help, because we know that the time or the, the moments are going to are right before us when we are going to meet our Creator and have to answer to Him. We will meet our Creator and we will have to answer to Him. And that meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will eventually occur. Time will pass. Eventually we'll be in such a state of panic and worry. And because of the prolonged nature, that anxiety will overtake us. And eventually we'll start running around and looking for someone that can ask Allah ta'ala to start judgment already. And we'll go from person to person, from prophet to prophet, and eventually... The Prophet will make a concerned sajda and after that sajda takes place. And he begs from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the accounting will begin. That accounting will be for every single one of us. Every single one of us will have to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To what degree? It comes in hadith, both in Bukhari and Muslim. That a person that stands before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment, there is no barrier between them and Allah. In this world, there's some barrier. We can converse with Allah, we can beg from Him, we can supplicate to Him, we can see His signs, we can see the trees, we can see the skies. Everything is a sign of Allah ta'ala. On that day, it will be right before Allah ta'ala and there will be no barrier before us. Once the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they had asked the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that on the day of resurrection, again, this was the dominant theme in the minds of the Sahaba. Although they lived lives just like you and I, they worked, they had families, they had responsibilities, they ate, they slept, they interacted with people. The dominant theme in their mind constantly at all times was the hereafter. It overtook them. Their thoughts were about their, the life in the grave. Their thoughts were about the day of resurrection. Their thoughts were about what their final destination would have been. This was dominating their mind. 
So once they were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ and they asked the Prophet ﷺ that on that day, are we going to see our Lord? I mean, we've heard about Allah. We've witnessed you receive revelation from Allah. We have recited the word of Allah. We've never seen Allah. On that day, are we actually going to see our Lord, our Master, our Creator? So the Prophet ﷺ said, that if you were to look into the sky and there were no clouds and the sun was before you in the sky, would you be able to see the sun? If you were to look into the sky at night and there were no clouds in the sky and there was a full moon, would you be able to see the full moon? So the Sahaba anhum said, of course, Ya Rasulullah, of course we'd be able to see it. It'd be right before us, it'd be crystal clear. Prophet says that that's how we will visualize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of accounting. So judgment will begin. And every one of us will stand individually before Allah ta'ala and have to answer for every single moment of our life. Everything will be taken into account. Nothing will be hidden. يَوْمَ إِذِنْ تُعْرَضُونَ لَا تَخْفَى مِنْكُمْ Allah Ta'ala says that'll be a day that even those things that you hid from other people in this world, there are things that we've hidden, sins that we've performed, you know, certain characteristic or traits that we've had, we hide from people in this world. And Allah Ta'ala specifically addresses those, minkum khafiya, even the ones that you had hidden from others in, that wor- in this world, even those things that you thought would never be revealed again, those will all come out on that day. Everything will be in vivid detail, vivid description, and even if we were to try to hide it on that day and, and preserve or think that we are preserving ourselves, then our limbs will begin to speak out against us. Nothing will be hidden from Allah Ta'ala on that day. Nothing will be hidden by Allah Ta'ala on that day. Even the moments that we were heedless of Allah, those times in the day where we had neglected Allah Ta'ala, forgotten about Him, even those moments will come out. Even those moments will come out. So every one of us will undergo this judgment. It's reality. It's reality. This is what we have to bring into our minds. Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, the people of taqwa, one of the six qualities of the people of taqwa. It's in the second surah, Baqarah, the first section. The people of taqwa, people that fear Allah, people that are aware of Allah, that are concerned about making their Lord pleased with them. One of the dominant qualities of these people, this is the sixth and final quality that Allah Ta'ala mentions, is what? وَبِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ In the akhirah, in the hereafter, they have yaqeen. They have yaqeen. There's different levels of knowing something in this world. One of the first qualities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, هُدَلِّ الْمُتَّقِينَ الَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ People of taqwa are those people that believe in the unseen. They have belief in it. يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ Belief means that while... Belief means that whatever is in existence or whatever the reality is, is true. But we aren't able to see it or perceive it. There's a degree of belief, of, of, of uh, acceptance that we have to put in. Even if we aren't 
100% able to perceive something, belief is when you overlook that perception or that absence of, of perception and accept it. That's what belief is. And Allah Ta'ala says one of the first qualities is يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ to, be, to believe in the unseen. But with regards to the akhirah, Allah Ta'ala takes it to the next level and He says وَبِالْآخِرَةِهُمْ يُقِنُونَ You have to have yaqeen. Yaqeen in, in Arabic means certainty. 100% certainty in the akhirah. In the unseen, you'll have belief. وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْكَ Belief is what you'll have with what was revealed to people before us. What was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ. And what was revealed to those that had come before. But with regards to the akhirah, you can't just have belief. You can't just believe that it exists. You can't just believe that there's a life in the grave. You can't just believe there's this period known as barzakh. You can't just believe that there's a day of retribution and accounting. You can't just believe that there's a sirat that you will have to pass across. You can't just believe that there's Jannah and there's Jahannam. You can't just believe it. You're, 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 if in order to be a person of taqwa, you have to have 100% certainty. You have to have yaqeen on this. Just as it is certain that this is a bottle of water with water inside. And it might not even be. It might be nothing. It might be an illusion. This might not even be real. This could be a hologram. Most certainly the day of judgment is real. And we have to have 100% certainty on this. We don't know if we'll have a job 10 years from now. We don't know if we'll be alive in this world 5 years from now. We don't know what thicknesses or illness might befall someone in the next few years. But we know with certainty, with yaqeen, that there is a hereafter. So our hope on the day of judgment, on that difficult day, when we'll stand before our Creator with no barrier, as clear as a full moon on a dark night, with no clouds, no obstruction. Our hope lies in Allah Ta'ala overlooking our book on that day. Look, there's different ways by which a person can go toward Jannah or pass through that day. Number one is that their book is presented before Allah Ta'ala and Allah Ta'ala out of His mercy says, I'm overlooking this, no hisab for you, go straight into the gardens of paradise. The other option is that Allah Ta'ala go through our book with us, page by page by page, action by action by action, moment by moment by moment, and review everything in thorough detail more than anything that has ever been reviewed before in our life. That's the second option. And based on that review, Allah Ta'ala make a decision on where we're going to go. But we can, we, our desire should be that Allah Ta'ala completely overlook it. We won't be able to handle that kind of accounting. Once, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, was with the Prophet ﷺ, and the Prophet ﷺ said that, O oh Aisha, he will be lost, he meaning an individual will be lost, whose balance sheet, whose book of deeds is examined by Allah Ta'ala on the Day of Judgment. Who's saying this? The Prophet ﷺ. And who is he saying it to? 
the mother of the believers, Aisha radiallahu anha. And he's saying that a person will be lost if Allah Ta'ala has to open up their book of deeds and have to account for it on the Day of Judgment. Because Allah Ta'ala is that deserving of our attention, of our time, of our effort. Even if we were to remain in this masjid and do sajda to Allah Ta'ala from now until the day we passed away, it wouldn't be sufficient. We are that dependent on Allah Ta'ala's mercy. The pure decision by Allah to create you and I, the pure decision by Allah to create you and me, and in particular to create us and give us Islam, is enough for us to thank Allah Ta'ala and owe Him every single millisecond of our life. Every single millisecond of our life. So naturally, those times where we had become heedless of Allah, we turned away from Allah, we engaged in activities that took us away from Allah, naturally to have that reviewed by Allah Ta'ala in the Day of Judgment when He was so deserving of our attention, we're at a loss. And I'm not just saying this. The Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who only speaks the truth is saying this. And he's saying this to his wife Aisha radiallahu anha. So our desire is that Allah ta'ala overlook our mistakes on that day. Overlook the judgment altogether. Bi Without any accountability, our hope is that Allah ta'ala says, this is your book, don't worry about it. Proceed. That would make our day. That would make the most important day of our life. So what can we do to earn that honor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Two things. The first thing that we can do with the hope, the intention that maybe Allah ta'ala will make us from amongst those special servants who don't have to undergo hisab on that difficult day, the first thing is in hadith, Asma bint Yazid radiallahu ta'ala anha said that the Prophet sallallahu said that on the day of judgment, when everyone will be raised once again, and everybody will be, everyone will be raised and it will be called out, where are those people whose sides were kept away from their bed during the night? Where are those people whose sides were kept away from their bed during the night? Meaning, where are those people who in the middle of the night would wake up, would leave their bed, take their sides off the bed, and pray to Allah Ta'ala in the middle of the night? In particular, the last portion of the night. Where are those people? And so the Prophet ﷺ says that this will be called, and فَيَقُومُونَ And those select few special individuals will stand up. Those select few special individuals will stand up, وَهُمْ قَلِيلٌ But they'll be so few. Those people will stand up, and it'll be told to them, proceed toward Jannah. And all those people that woke up in the middle of the night to raise the great name of the Lord will proceed toward Jannah. And then, everyone else that's remaining will then undergo accounting. Amazing. That the simple deed, or so it seems, the simple deed of waking up in the middle of the night 
when everyone else is asleep, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can potentially grant us access to Jannah without any accounting. You know that the free pass, if you will. You can cut through the line and not have to undergo any accounting. Amazing. Now what's even what's concerning about this hadith is the wording. When that call is made, they will stand up. The people that woke up in the middle of the night, that woke up in the early morning hours, left their bed, put their, uh, put their desire of, of wanting to, to sleep, to rest away, and they rose up from their bed, or they, they got up from their bed to worship Allah. And then, But they are so few. They are so few. If you were to count the number of Muslims in the world today, 1.3, 1.5 billion people, how many actually wake up in the middle of the night during that special time to raise Allah Ta'ala's great name? We've heard of the merits. We know that the Prophet regularly woke up at this time. And we know that the people around the Prophet, the companions, regularly woke up at this time. But there's just a select few special individuals that are left in this world that wake up at that time. We should make it a priority in our life to seek out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during this time. We should change our schedule so that we can wake up for this time. We should adjust our lives so that we can wake up for this special, for this special time. Meaning if there are, so we know that deeds are performed and Allah Ta'ala gives people the tawfiq to do things and then and only then are they able to do it. If a person's actively involved in some wrong, some ill, some evil, some sin, whatever it might be, then Allah Ta'ala takes away their tawfiq from being able to do righteous deeds. And one of those righteous deeds is the hajjud, the early morning prayer. And if we know in our lives something that, we, that we're doing regularly and constantly and that's removing our ability to receive tawfiq from Allah Ta'ala to wake up, that we should adjust it, remove it from our life. If it means that we have to sleep earlier at night, then so be it, we'll sleep earlier at night so that we can wake up early in the morning. If it means that we have to sleep on a light, slightly less comfortable bed because, it, because it's drawing us in in those morning hours and not letting us get up, then so be it, we'll make that sacrifice. Look at, look at what results from it. You get a direct pass to Jannah without any accounting. You don't even have to answer to anything. The book is given. Allah Ta'ala says, don't worry about it. Go, proceed. An, an announcement is made. Where are those people that woke up? Proceed straight to Jannah. So that's number one. We should become people who pray through the night. At least some portion of the night it will be of tremendous value for us in the hereafter. The second is a dua that Allah, the Prophet Wasallam used to make. And this dua is in the same hadith that the Prophet Wasallam had narrated or had said to Aisha And he says that, a, that uh, so Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha narrates that the Prophet ﷺ, she would hear the Prophet ﷺ making a dua. Allahumma hasibni hisaban yasira. Allahumma hasibni hisaban yasira. Oh Allah, um, uh, make my reckoning easy for me. Make my reckoning easy for me. So once Aisha ta'ala anha had asked the Prophet ﷺ, 
what does it mean by make my reckoning easy for me? What does it mean? What does it mean that my account should be easy? My accounting should be easy for me? So the Prophet replied that it means that Allah Ta'ala overlook our mistakes and overlook our accounting altogether. So we should try to make this dua as well. Allahumma hasibni hisabin yasira. If we aren't able to make it in this language, we make it in any language. But when we ask from Allah Ta'ala in our dua, you know, most of us make dua, it's part of our routine, at least for those of us that are staying in Iratikaf this weekend, we're expected to make 10 minutes of dua in the morning and in the evening. Part of every dua that we make, we should make dua that Allah Ta'ala um, enter, uh, in, enter us into His gardens without any hisab on the Day of Judgment. We can't handle the hisab. I can't handle the hisab. We shouldn't want Allah Ta'ala to look over the accounts of any of us. We should want Him to overlook it. We should want Him to overlook it. And we should, through this, gain success on the Day of Judgment. The day that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala truly owns amongst all of His creation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you and tawfiq to go through our day of judgment without any account. May Allah ta'ala make us regular in the nightly prayer such that we are people who are granted access to Jannah directly. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the difficulties and the calamities of that day. Wa akhirat awana. Alhamdulillah.